0: Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. met before i'm one of the pastors here at bedrock and i was out last week so i just want to publicly thank pastor keith i was in phoenix in fact last week i was supposed to be landing well i should have landed about an hour and a half ago i was going to come down here i just didn't have time with the constraints to make sure i could preach but uh actually my flight got completely canceled i had to spend another day in phoenix and didn't get to fly out till 10:30 at night their time which is one in the morning, our time. And so I had an incredible flight back. I got to sit next to a pro baseball player, though, on one of my flights. And this kid's 20 years old. He throws 103 miles an hour. Uh, and so I was, I, I, conned him a little bit. I was like, oh, man, uh, d- did they change the baseballs? And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, let me get my bag. And he pulled a baseball. Out, and I was like, now that that's out, why don't you sign it? And he's like, okay. And he signed it for me. Uh, super nice kid, actually. I got to pray with them, And actually, he reached out to me on Instagram and we're like having a conversation. So it's actually pretty cool. But I did want to just mention next week is Easter. And for Christians, this is a time to celebrate. We are not having a block party because we don't want to have church. We just have a lot to celebrate. And we want to show people in the world like, hey, this is a celebratory time for Christians. We are remembering the day that we were rescued from sin and death. And so we have a lot to celebrate. And so if you have families with, with kids or anything like that, we, we have, we're going to have two sessions in here with the story of Easter. So myself and Pastor Keith will be in here. Uh, we're going to do that story so people with kids can come in. They can hear the story of Easter but we're going to have a food truck out there. We're going to have cotton candy. We, have a, we rented a, Danielle, correct me, a 100-foot long obstacle course inflatable. And honestly, we just want to have an incredible time and invite people back to church the next morning so they can hear and remember and see all that we are celebrating. So one of the things that we did um, is we have an Easter invite card in the back of the room. And so, you know, 85% of people say that if you invite them to church, they'll come. And so this is a great way, just it has all the details of all the services, events that we have going on, and this is just our help to you to maybe invite your friends or family uh, to be with us. But tonight, we're going to be continuing on in our series in the Book of Romans, and if you've been with us, this has been an incredible series. The Book of Romans is considered to be the cornerstone of the New Testament, theologically rich. And remember, we've talked about this, that what Jesus did changes who we are and how we live. And this book of Romans talks all about how what Jesus did and what he accomplished for you and I affects the way that you and I live. Now, tonight, as we get into the word of God, uh, there's this phobia, this fear that I I didn't know there's actually a name for it, but it's called a tiki phobia. Does anyone know what a tiki phobia is? Anyone in here familiar with that one? Okay, but I bet you that we all suffer from this phobia a little bit. A tiki phobia is the clinical term for the feel, uh, fear of failure. It actually has to do with, like, there is a reality that fear of failure can cause so many of us to do so many things or not do anything. Right, And so many of us are afraid to fail that we won't even start what we're called to do. That's just a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? It's just a little bit easier to stomach because we didn't actually try. But tonight we're going to talk about this because the book of Romans is going to bring us to this idea, this, these things. There's these fruit of our salvation this fruit of believing in Jesus Christ and having been justified, that plays itself out in our lives. And tonight, we're gonna see some of that. We're gonna see what this does. So I titled tonight's message, I'm Scared to Fail. Is anybody in here dealing with something in this life and then maybe a new endeavor or business or trying something new or homeschooling, maybe trying that or going back to school or whatever it may be, new relationships, something like that. And you're, just, you're scared to jump into these things Because you're afraid to fail. But how many of us, we have a call on our life by God, but for so many of us, we're kind of holding off on the call of God in our life because we're afraid of failing. We're afraid that it's just not going to work, it's not going to happen. And so, so many times in our life, we'll we'll avoid spiritual things and and spiritual moments in our relationship with God and in our life because we're afraid that we're going to fail or somehow God's going to fail. I don't know if you're like me, but like this church almost didn't get started three years ago because we were afraid to fail. There's a night that Kelsey and I were laying in bed. We were kind of preparing everything and we were, you know, just starting the journey of planting bedrock. And there's a moment where I looked over to Kelsey and we were talking and I said, what if this doesn't work? She was like, what? And I was like, yeah, what if this doesn't work? And for a moment in my my heart and I think in Kelsey's, there was like, we moved our whole family down here. We've done all of these things. We invested our time, talent, our treasure into this, this church. And what if it doesn't work? But we, we know, and rightly so, we told the truth to the lie, and we knew that anything that is begotten by God cannot fail. There's nothing that can come against what God wants to do in this world. And so let me ask you something. What are you afraid to start right now because you're afraid to fail? Maybe there's a relationship. Maybe it's serving in the church and starting a serve team. Maybe you're worried about going to our next steps class because what if this church fails you like every other one? Right? Maybe you're afraid to pray that big, bold prayer because if you pray it, maybe it doesn't happen. Or you're afraid to step out in faith and do that thing that you're afraid to ask for forgiveness because what if it doesn't come back? What if it's not accepted? And so for so many times, the enemy uses this fear of failure in our life to stop us from moving forward in what God has for us. And so as we listen tonight and we hear the word of God, I want us to just think about that. Maybe God is saying, maybe I'm all up in your business right now, right? Maybe I'm in your business because you've been fighting with God for a really long time. And you're just saying, like, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't happen? What if Moses said, what if you don't free the people? What if David said, what if you never make me king? What if Jesus said, what if they never believe? Where would we be? And so let me just tell you this. This is not a sermon about telling you that the fear of failure is wrong. What this sermon is really about is all of us are going to face a fear of failure. This sermon is about how do we overcome it? How do we overcome and walk into all that God has for us and be willing to step forward? Could I put forward this? Maybe the point is not success or failure, but doing. Maybe our definition in this room and online is wrong about what success entails. Because maybe success is just about the yes and the going and the doing like, you know, we're talking about Easter invites. Some of us are afraid to invite our neighbors and our friends to the greatest celebration the world knows, because we think we may be rejected, we may fail. But let me just tell you something, they're never going to come if you don't invite them. I mean, how many of you, just like show of hands, just real quick, were invited to church? You were invited to bedrock at some point in your journey. You, so, yeah, like, I mean, the reality is, we put signs out on the road to invite people. Some of them literally say, you're invited, right? Like we want people to come in here and hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. So tonight, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna hear three things, three ideas, three processes that you and I need to think through that we need to come when we're, we're combating a feeling that we're gonna fail. So when we feel that that feeling of like, hey, we're going to fail, that we're not going to do this, that, that we can't make it. Paul says, look, why have I told you everything else in the book of Romans so far? Right? Because remember, Paul is writing to a young church, a church that he's never visited before. And I don't know about you, but that's hard to do, especially when your faith is illegal. And so Paul's writing to this group of people, and here's what he's going to say at the end of the book of of chapter 8. He's going to say, look, here's the reality. Because of everything that I've just said, there's some assurances that you can have. There's some assurances that you and I can have when we're trying to move forward in this life. So if you're with me, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 13. 31 we're going to start there if you don't have a bible with you don't worry about it we have free bibles in the back they're a gift for you we want you to have the word of god but if not you can open up your bible on your device or you can follow us on the screens so here we go let's jump in romans 831 what then shall we say about these things or to these things if god is for us who can be against us He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So let me catch you up on what's happened. Maybe it's your first night here, and you're like, what's happened in the other messages in the book of Romans? Well, let me just tell you. These things have some really practical ideas, these really practical benefits from the goodness of knowing God in our lives. If you remember from our studies, Paul says that when we know Jesus Christ, when we've been justified by faith, there's no longer condemnation. There's never us being held down and having to carry the weight of our sin any longer. Paul says this, not only that, you're free from guilt. Now, some of you are still feeding the guilt monster, but that's a monster you no longer need to feed. Paul says that when you and I believe in Jesus Christ, guilt is gone. How many of us, th- that's what gets you right there? You remember the failures of the past, so you feel bad about the failures of the past, so you won't don't want to fail again, so you won't try again. That's speaking to anybody in here? Oh, I've messed up before, so surely I'll mess up again, so I'm not going to go down that road. Paul says, there's no longer, for those who are in Christ, condemnation, and there is no longer guilt. Not only that, are we free from guilt. We get to reign with King Jesus. As believers, we share in this life and with Jesus Christ. And we get to move forward. Not only that, we are adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. And that means that everything that comes with belonging to the family of God is true about you. Every single thing. In fact, there's no guilt anymore because in in even the terms of the day, to be adopted by God meant that the old you had died and there is a new person. You have a new name. You have a new calling. You have a new purpose and you have a new identity and you have a new destiny. Because you're adopted. You're sons and daughters of the living God. How about this? Some of us are so scared of failing because we feel alone. But the book of Romans says that when you and I are believers in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells us as believers and we're never alone. The God of the universe, the God of all creation resides and lives within us. You're never alone. You don't have to carry your burdens any longer for they have been removed as far as the east is from the west. And then finally... You don't have to fear failure. He says, because of all of these things, we talked about this just a few weeks ago, our future is secure. So let me ask you again, what would you try or do for God if you knew you couldn't fail? What Paul's going to say is, you're not going to fail. You're not going to fail. Maybe the definition of what success is to you may be different but the success is in the doing and the going and the obeying. Paul says, if you say yes to God, you're never going to fail. You're never going to miss out. It's not that it's ever going to not work out. And here's Paul's logic. He says, because of all of these things, do you remember what God gave us? Verse 32, he says this, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Here's what Paul says. The reason you're not going to fail is because God is going to supply for every single one of your needs. Because there's nothing too expensive to provide for you as you follow what God's called you to do. The most precious thing that God, that that existed in all of creation was the perfect sinless son of God. And Paul says... If God was willing to give up his son, why would he spare anything else? He already gave the best. He gave the most expensive. He gave the most important thing and he did it freely without holding anything back. And so why are you believing now that he won't provide? He won't give you everything that you need. He won't spare a thing. See, some of us believed and feel in our hearts and our souls. We won't go do that thing because we don't believe there's going to be provision. So we won't go say sorry. We won't ask for forgiveness because we don't believe that God's going to graciously provide not only for you the courage, but also the forgiveness in the other person. We don't believe that we're going to be okay if we're rejected. We don't believe that, that, that this isn't going to happen. And so we trade the truth for a lie and we sit here idly and we wonder why we're not experiencing the fullness of this Christian life. Well, God says, I did not come and give you a spirit of fear. I did not give you this spirit that would be controlled and, and worried and, and fearful all of the time. And so we're going to see tonight that God gives us a different story and a different way of moving forward. And so let me just ask you one more time, if you knew that you could not fail, what would you do for God? Would you join a team? Would you commit to a church? Would you say yes to Jesus for the very first time in your life and really celebrate what Easter is all about? Would you maybe give? Would you maybe go somewhere? Would you serve in some way? Would you restore that marriage? Would you seek forgiveness from your kids? Would you sleep a little bit better at night? I mean, how many of us anxiety is is an idea where you are unsure of the future? Paul says, Well, we have a secure future. It's called glorification where we will be in heaven with Jesus Christ and our bodies will be made new and sin and death and guilt and shame are all gone. And we will reside with God in heaven and the new earth forever. So what are you so scared of? So either it's one of two things. You're denying the truth or you don't believe the truth. And I'm just going to tell you, the enemy has a really good, big way of making the lie sound like the truth. So we're believing him for all of these things, and then we wonder why we can't sleep. And we wonder why we're not experiencing this peace which surpasses understanding. And we're wondering why life can get so hard because we're just so afraid of failing, I mean, in the real fear, fear of failure, it will literally lead to, listen to some of the, these physical and then emotional symptoms of what fear will actually do. Insomnia or sleepless nights related to overthinking and severe anxiety. Anybody relate to that? I feel like there's a whole like pharmaceutical industry built around that, right? Like there, there is a whole part of our society that deals with it. Like we're even giving kids like the The like little push things, right? And the the squeeze balls and like we're so worried and we're so stressed and we're so anxious and like what's going on? You know why babies sleep so well? Because they aren't worried. How about stress causing chest pains? That's like a big red flag. If your chest hurts because you're so worried, your body's physically now manifesting the issue. When faced with an unanticipated situation, they easily panic with symptoms of profuse sweating, digestive distress. You all know what that means, right? You got you gotta to get to the bathroom, right? Like we call that the bubble gut. You gotta go, right? <laughs> Joint and muscle pain, splitting headaches, and difficulty breathing. You feel like you're drowning, and you gotta to go to the bathroom real bad. <laughs> Feelings of constant fatigue and Tardiness due to lack of motivation. Those are just the physical symptoms of a fear of failure. How about the emotional insecurities and excessive worrying about what will happen if they fail or things go wrong? Procrastination to avoid work or tasks assigned that triggered their anxiety. How many of you are avoiding the one thing that you need to do? And because you're worried that it's going to fail and that's the thing that could save you, you're avoiding it. And so you're prolonging your misery. Unnecessary rationalization of how something goes wrong. Anybody think of? Everybody live in the what-if world. What if this? What if that? What if I got hit by a meteorite? Does anyone ever think like maybe I need to leave thirty milliseconds later so I don't get hit by a car? I'm gonna like I got to time it just right. I got to make sure the cosmic forces are working out okay. You're over. Rationalizing and, and imagining what could go wrong. Exaggerated feelings of anxiety, fear, and panic when taking any sort of risk or new task that they are unsure of the outcome. Guys, there is no crystal ball in this world. And so if you're going to be afraid of the future, you're going to live a really hard life. And what Paul says is, is when we do things for God and we say yes to God and we're obedient to God, that fear can go away. Why? Because everything in our life, if we truly believe in Jesus Christ, can be okay. We're justified. We will be glorified. That we will be taken care of. That every need will be met and everything will be dealt with. And so here's the first point. Here's what 31 and 32 says. God is for you. God is for you. He is not against you. Now, some of you are doing things that God is against, and he is definitely against those things. So I don't want to, like, overdo it here and say God is so for you that nothing bad is going to happen, and you're never going to face calamity. That's that's a lie. He promised you that it would come. What he promised you is what Romans 8.28 says. All things work together for good. For those who love God and are called according to his purposes. It doesn't say in all good things. That's a prosperity gospel. That's a false gospel. Because if the founder of the religion had to die for the religion. Why would we expect that we wouldn't have any trial? But the promise is. It's not final. The promise is he'll redeem it. The promise is it will make you more like him. And move you closer to him. And we're actually going to see that today. So let's move on in the passage as we continue on. There's some more promises that come in. He says, verse 32, he says, look, he gave us the son of God. If he was willing to give us his own son, the pinnacle of his creation, the pinnacle of all things, the most beautiful thing in all of the universe, Jesus Christ, he will withhold nothing else. He won't won't withhold anything else. There's nothing more precious to him than Jesus. And he gave Jesus freely. And so Paul begins to ask these rhetorical questions. So he says this, verse 33, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who should bring any charge against God's people? Who should bring any charge against those people whom God has loved and called is, God, is it God who justifies? He says, this, look, it, God has called them and changed them and justified them. Then who can bring anything against them? Who can say anything? Because only God can judge. And if he's declared holy and righteous and good, no one else can bring anything. So what are you so afraid of? Why are you so afraid of being canceled? What does it matter? I mean, the reality is at the end of the day, the God of heaven and earth looks down on you and is well pleased. So who cares what somebody says on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok? The videos are only like 15 seconds long. It's not that long. One of the things that cancel culture has shown us is that you can survive. Because there's people that were at the beginning of that culture that are surviving. And the other reality is this. They'll cancel everybody for anything, even their own people. Even the, 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 if you step out of line at all, you're canceled. What does that say about the value of humanity to certain people that were willing to cancel people? Why would we listen to that? Do you guys find yourself worth in bullies? Do you listen to the voice of the person who's always wanting to cancel you? Should we correct people that say things that they shouldn't say? Sure. But shouldn't we be for people to grow and get better? Not just send them to an early grave? Of course we want people to get better. Of course people say things that are not smart and unkind and need correcting. But shouldn't we be for that? Shouldn't we be for progress and people moving forward? So he says this, who, anybody who is left in all of creation that could bring any charge against God's people for God justifies and those who he justifies is perfect. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, he also who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall so tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword. And this is what he says as it is written. He quotes Psalm here. For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. He says you're going to get canceled and people are going to do some bad things against you as you're Christians. But he says what do they really have? What do they really have against us? And let me just, I want to tell us all something in here. Even though the world and the enemy and and spiritual forces and all of these things, they make accusation. There's nothing to the accusation anymore. But some of us still listen to the voice of the accuser. We hear the words that he's saying. But how many of us, like, have you ever been in a place where someone says something to you or or says something in, in a way that it's so ridiculous it doesn't matter what they just said? you totally disregard you're like what uh, moving on right like i don't have time for stupid and you just move on the reality is is for some of us you're believing the accusations of things that are untrue and you're living beholden to those things because you're afraid of failing and so what paul says is who's left to say anything If God has justified you and Jesus Christ has died and rose again for you, what's left? What's left? And so let me just tell you, you are going to have accusers that stand before the throne of God and begin to make accusation against you all of the time. And you're going to hear those accusations, but they have no weight for God has justified and declared. And so Satan in the world. How about your family and your friends and your co-workers are going to make accusations against you. They're going to say things and say, oh, don't you know? And that doesn't mean we don't repent. And that doesn't mean we don't say I'm sorry. And that doesn't mean we don't get better and we learn from our mistakes. But it doesn't mean that we're put in a grave anymore. It doesn't mean that we're condemned. You know what a house is that they condemn? When they put a, a condemnation sign on the house, it means this thing's built for ruin. It's not savable or rescuable anymore. And what Paul says is that's not our status anymore. There's no sign on our heart and our life anymore that says unsavable. Or how about this? I think that probably the majority of us deal the most with the issue of accusation from ourselves. You messed up. You're awful. You're the worst. How could you? How dare you? You'll always, you'll never, you'll always mess up. You'll never get this relationship stuff right. You'll never be forgiven. You're not worth that. Everything that he's saying, it's not for you. Because I don't feel like it's for me. And in fact, Jesus knew that sometimes our biggest accuser would come from the whispers of the enemy and rise deep down in our heart because we exchange the truth for a lie. And in 1 John chapter 3, listen to what the Bible says. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Here's what he's saying. Even... If your heart accuses you and condemns you, God's greater than your heart. And he knows everything. He knows the secret thought. He knows the secret issue that you're dealing with. He knows what you're looking at by yourself online at night. He knows about those messages. He knows those things. He knows about what you fantasize about. He knows about those things deep down inside. that you're, You know why they're deep down inside? Because you're ashamed to tell the world about them. And he goes, God's there too. And God knows and he sees those things and he is greater than your heart. He's greater than the worst of you. There is no condemnation. And so what does he have when nothing can any longer hold you down and keep you down? then what are you so afraid of? Why are we so afraid of getting up? And I'm not telling you this in judgment. I'm not telling you in this as like, I never deal with the fear of failure. I'm just telling you that too many of us, me included, have exchanged the truth for a lie and we're living safe, weak lives because we're so afraid to fail. But we, you do not know the beauty that is ahead of you. And some of us are quitting way too early. You quit even before you really began. But just because it isn't real what they're saying, it doesn't mean you're not gonna listen sometimes. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna have to deal with some things sometimes. And even it might say the truth about you sometimes, but it takes the truth and applies it in a wrong way. Maybe that thing never will happen and that's okay. Because God has something better for you. And so it's okay that that thing's never gonna happen. In the thing that you've set your mind on, the absolute thing that will make you happy and make you okay and make you all of these things because you build built an idol out of some weird future. And so God says, that's never gonna satisfy your soul. So I'm never gonna give it to you. It doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean that he's angry. It means he loves you. And he gives you what's best and not what you want. Anyone who has kids knows this. There's times like the kid has a a preferred vision of the future of chocolate chip cookies and brownies for dinner. But mom and dad go, I've got a better future for you. Because if you just eat cookies and brownies for dinner and then don't brush your teeth, you're not going to be able to eat cookies and brownies for dinner. You're going to have to just eat like porridge and soup because you ain't going to have no teeth and you're going to have diabetes, and it's not going to be good. You don't like shots? I'm trying to preserve you by not giving you diabetes so you don't have to take shots all the time. I mean, we understand this as parents, right? Because we don't want them to fail, because we don't want our kids to be hurt, because we don't want our kids to do certain things, we abstain from giving them what we want to rather give them what they need because for us, failure is not an option for them. So, we're not going to put failure in their path. That's exactly what God does for you and I. So, the Bible says, Who is condemned? Who is held down? Who is all of these things? And, and, and here's what goes on. And here's why Paul says this. I want you to follow Paul's logic. He says, Who's condemned? Who, who is dealing with all of these things? Who is going to ultimately fail if they are in Jesus Christ? For who is the judge at the end of the day? Who's the one? Who's going to call the shots and call it as it is at the end of the day? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. And he says, Who's going to be condemned if they're in Jesus Christ? He's the judge. It's his gift. It's his life. It's his goodness that stands before us. And when Jesus looks at it, he goes, that's good. It's actually perfect and holy and righteous. And so he says, who's going to, is Jesus going to judge his own life poorly? No. And so you and I are free to move forward in what shall separate us. Notice what Paul says here is everything physical. Physical, like the things that you and I are going to experience in this world. These things that can come in and take over our life. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, that means extremely hard times, or distress. You ever been there? Or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Shall any of that separate us from the love of God? Separate us and remove us from Jesus Christ and our our understanding of who he is. No, because for the Christian, there's two options that you have when you face distress or persecution or trials or all of these things. You can either run from God or you can run to him. And used in the proper way, it will drive you closer into the hands of God and the heart of God. And you cannot fail there. And so here's what Paul says. I'm here to tell you that those bad things aren't going to come, but when they do come, they can be for your good, for they can drive you into the arms of the Father. My son, um, he's really freaked out about scary movies right now, and I don't know why, because he's never seen a scary movie. He's three, and so if he's being really bad, he's scared of venom. Like the, he saw like the preview one time and it shook him, okay? He's like <laughs> shook, all right? And so if he's like real bad, I like turn on the, and I'm like Venom. And he's like, Aah! and he runs. But the reality is, is when we're scared, what, you, what do you need to do when you're really scared? Do you need to run from dad or to dad? You need to run to dad. You need to be with him. See, like when Venom's coming on, he's gone. Whoop, We're gone. Let me just tell you something. When there's something going bang in the middle of the night, you know where he finds himself? In bed with mom and dad, safe and secure. So let me ask you, where are the trials and tribulations and persecutions of this life leading you? Some of us think they're from God, so we run. There are things that come into this world, but God has promises. He said, I got you. And so you run to the arms of the Father. And what you realize is what the enemy meant to kill you actually made you safer. You're ready. You're with him. You need to become a spiritual prepper. I'm not as scared of the future because i got everything I need in Jesus Christ. So whatever comes, hell or high water, I'm okay. Because I'm in him. And it's okay. And there's nothing in this world that can separate me from the love of God. And here's why second point is this, God has overcome the things meant to stop us. So God is for you, and he's overcome the things meant to stop you. And so you and I can move forward in this life and we cannot bow down to the fear of failure, but we can recognize it for what it is. And if God's called us to it, he will get us through it. And so you and I can move forward in this life and come tribulation and come distress and all of these things. Anyone ever heard this phrase, smooth seas never made good sailors? A smooth life really never made strong Christians. you know what's crazy is at the end of the day when you have a deeper richer relationship with god you can look back on the storm and the trial and go thanks be to god who not only got me through this but now i'm closer to him and you say that's weird and peculiar i know it's almost like it's divine and not earthly and so finally what does paul say paul's going to tie a ribbon on this whole thing in romans 8 37 and 39 he says this no in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Every say, more than conquerors. more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. You're like, what does that mean? It means, like, if it's a game, it, we got the slaughter rule. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. It's, the game is so far won and out of hand that the game shuts down. That's what Paul says. You and I. Are in Christ, and in Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. We shut the game down. And not just in our own power, but in who Jesus is. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, and all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, Jesus our Lord. Here's what Paul says. You and I do not have to fear the future because third point, the battle's been won. It's been won. Sometime in the future, we will cross the finish line. We will cross the finish line as believers in Jesus Christ to heaven and to the new earth, not because of what we do, but because of what he has done. And remember, our key phrase to this whole series is what? What Jesus did changes who we are and all that we do. It changes everything. It changes everything about us, for we are more than conquerors. My wife gets crazy about this, but I, this is the way I want you guys to think about it. Any, any guys in here sports fans? Raise your hands. Yeah. All right, good. All right, I'm a, I, I don't like all sports, but I'm a big... My, actually, my team lost today. It's terrible. But I'll talk to Kelsey about... Uh, I love this uh, soccer team, I call it football team, but soccer team called Arsenal. They, they're in London. Um, I'm big fans of them. They lost today. We're, we're in a problem. But when we're in the transfer market, we're, we're trying to get new players, I'll tell Kelsey like that. I give her an Arsenal update every day. I'm like, hey, just to let you know, we just signed a brand new striker and he's legit and he's awesome. And, and, and she's like, we? Who's we? <laughs> and I'll like come home, like today I came home and I'm like, we lost today. She's like, what did we lose? I'm like, Arsenal lost today. She's like, oh, we didn't do anything, right? And then, I, you know, and I'll talk about, oh yeah, we just did this or this just happened and we're, we're about to qualify for the Champions League. And she's like, Who's we? (laughs) That's exactly what it's like for our relationship with Jesus Christ. We won the victory. Who's we? In Jesus Christ. I belong to a better team. We overcame that temptation today. Who's we? Sorry, in Jesus Christ. We're okay today. Why? Who's we? In Jesus Christ. I'm just part of the winning team. And so I identify with the winning team. And although I didn't take a single step, although I didn't throw a single punch, although I didn't hit a ball, I celebrate in the victory and, I, and I, I hurt in the losses just as much as if I was on that field. And so is true with our walk in life with Jesus Christ. And so here's the deal. You and I know the winning team and we're part of it. And so you get to say, we overcame this. Who's we? Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And here's what Paul says. He says, I want to make this so 3D for you. I want you to understand the best and worst that we will experience, death and life. He doesn't mean like good life. He means like anybody experienced life? You know, when bad things happen, you're like, life happened, right? Right? He says, death or life, is that going to separate us from the love of God? No. What about angels or demons or principalities or authorities? Is that going to cause us to have an issue? No. What about the few, now in the future? Paul said, notice he doesn't even deal with the past. He goes, the past didn't kill you. You're here. Move on. So now in the future aren't going to do it either. The past could not separate you from the love of God. It's already gone. It's already done. And so why are we so afraid of the future and now? What didn't kill you then isn't going to get you now. He says, so what? Height or depth. He's literally talking about the expanse of the universe. What? What in all of creation, whether physical or not physical, is going to kill you and I? And Paul says, "Look, all of these things, all of it can just push us closer to God. So there's no failure. Let me tell you something: if at the end of the road, in what happened, does isn't what you wanted to happen, it's not a failure because you've moved and become more like Jesus Christ. You've done more in this world. And so I want to try to like give you a visual. I heard this in a message last week, and it's perfect. Okay, um, so." Uh, this video is going to play. I'm going to talk over it, but can you guys see it? Okay. That's Dick and Rick Hoyt. Actually, the father, Dick, he just died at 83 years old um, last year. So this is his son. It's his third son. And Rick is a quadriplegic. He uh, had a brain injury from birth, a spinal cord issue. And so he, he was never able to move. And in fact, Dick has two other sons, and when Rick was born, um, he was told, hey, you need to put your son in a facility. He's never going to be able to speak. He's never going to be able to move, and you just need to love your other sons, and Dick said, no, that's my son, and I'm going to love him like I love my other sons, so one day, Rick, um, he got a computer that could teach him how to talk. He can talk through this computer, and he told his dad he wanted to run in a race, and so his dad got a wheelchair and ran and pushed his son through the race. Now, this is a race that they're in um, and they've run over 1,100 races. Not only have they done races, they've done Ironman triathlons and that's Dick carrying him and he was pulling him on a boat. They've done 11 of those. Not only that, they they ride. Let me tell you what an Ironman triathlon is. It's a 2.4 mile swim, so 112 mile bike. And it's a 26.2 mile run. They've run 1,100 races more than me because I haven't run one. I want you to hear this. That's them in the Boston Marathon. I think they've completed that nearly 30 times. And this is what Rick said about his dad. He said this. When my dad and I are out on a run, a special bond forms between us. And it feels like there is nothing that dad and I cannot do. See, like all the adversity that you and I face in this life, all the things, can you just re-loop that video for me, please? All the things that you and I are going to deal with and all of the adversity and all the things that his son was born with, unable to talk, all he can do is move his knees and his head. All of those things push them closer together. And what should have separated them in this world, what should have caused them not to be okay, made everything okay. It made everything okay. And and it made everything work out. And what happened is, is because of the love of a true father, Rick never failed. Because of the love of a true father, He was always behind him, pushing him. And when he couldn't push him, he was beside him. And when he couldn't push him or be beside him, he carried him. And Rick always passed the finish line, having never taken a step, having never lifted a weight, having never paddled a single stroke. Rick completed 1,100 races, not because of Rick, but because of his father. And because of the love of his dad, everything was okay, and there was no failure in Rick's life. You and I are Rick.
1: You and I
0: don't have all of the things necessary. We don't have all of the skills necessary. We can never take a single step. And yet, in Christ... There is never any failure. And we will always cross the finish line because God's going to carry us there. God's going to take us there. God's going to do it all. See, because with the true love of a father, anything is doable. Anything is doable. And you and I have the true love of the father. So what are you so afraid of? Look at that. Look at him. It's a real victory. That's a real crossing of the line. That's a real moment. And that's us. And our Father who is in heaven is carrying us across the line. And so I know that you and I are dealing with the fear of failure. But in Christ Jesus, there is no failure. He will always get us to the end. And so how do you come overcome your fear of failure? As John and the band gets ready to come out, we're going to worship here in just a second. You need to remember three things. God is for you. He has overcome the things meant to stop you. And the reality is the battle's already won. It's not a battle anymore. You and I are just passing the time till we realize and sit in the victory. And so maybe just you're like Rick and you're just facing this trial and everything that the world was meant to stop you and just stop you from moving forward with God, God's saying, it's okay. It's just going to bring you closer to me. And so as we get ready next week to celebrate the greatest miracle the world's ever seen, as we get ready to celebrate the moment where the battle was finally won, you and I, have an opportunity to step forward in faith tonight. And so what is God calling you to? And what would you do for God if you knew you couldn't fail? I'm here to tell you, you can't fail. It might not be the victory you thought and in the way that you thought, but let me just tell you, you will finish the race and you will get across the line because we have a father who is good in heaven who's gonna make sure that we finish the race. So church, tonight, maybe tonight is the night where you just need some victory. The victory has already been won. And we're in this season here where we call it breakthrough. And on these red cards, we wrote those things down this year that we just need God to do something miraculous with. That we need God to do something really big in our midst. We need God to show up. Your victory card is coming. The race will be finished. It will be done and it will be completed. And he's going to carry us across the line. Because he's a good father. And maybe for some of you, you need to just let go of that thing and let God be the victory. See, every one of those things out there could be changed with this if we just said, God said, God did. The victory is won. And so maybe you need to go exchange that card. In fact, someone exchanged the card this mo- the, tonight as we were getting ready. Someone exchanged the card today. Can we give God some praise for that? He's working in our midst. He took someone across the line today. And he can take you across the line too. And let me just encourage you with one final thing. Many of you know that we are heading to Poland. We are going to be serving and helping refugees. And we're going to be leaving May 1st and we're going to be gone to May 6th. And we're coming off the tail of another church that's going there because the place that we're serving in has now housed over 1,600 people and counting. Let me just tell you, See, God gets you across the finish line because for a lot of people, it's like, how am I going to get there and how are we going to do this and what's going to happen? I just got to let you know this week in a terrible week, in a week that I've been just struggling and dealing with fear of failure and just the mess of this life. I was in my office on Wednesday or Thursday and Teresa, Brian came to my office and knocked on the door. She said, Hey, there's somebody here to see you. And I was like, Oh, who's I don't have any appointments today. And then I walk outside and there's a police officer. And I was like, uh-oh, okay, so who's in trouble and what did they do? And he said, hey, you're that pastor, you're going to, you're going to Poland, right? And he said, I emailed the info at Bedrocks, Arizona, website, uh, email, and I, and I told them that I, we want to be participatory in this. He said, I got, I got a check here for you. And I never look at checks. But I said, okay, we'll fill out this giving envelope. We're going to put it right in the black box. I don't want any of that money. Put it in. He filled out a check for $10,000. And so we got $10,000 this week in the midst of some of the darkest things to help people go, to help people answer the call, to help people do it. And it has nothing to do with me. We didn't blast this out on social media. We didn't ask for help. God did it. And he carried us across the line and he can carry you across the line. And so maybe some of you need to come up to the line and be carried across tonight. And so let us pray, Father. Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.